0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 81, Nine Things, recorded February 2nd, 2013, and brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. Yes, I'm sick. That's why I sound like this. Um, It's just a cold, and being a good man, I'm refusing to admit that I'm sick. I'm pressing on anyway. So we're doing this show, and Chris and Seth are going to be doing most of the talking, um, cause I sound like I'm underwater yeah, or something. whatever, Mark. And of course- We all know you're a mic hog. That Chris and Seth that I'm referring to are Mr. Chris <laughs> Neves, the command line godfather. Hiya, Chris.
1: Hey, I'm hoping you heal up quickly, Mark. Sickness is not fun.
0: Uh, it's just a cold. It's not a flu. I'm not gonna die. It's just one of those things where you, you your head feels like you're floating for a couple of days and then you go on back with your life. And also joining us is the, the, what's your name? Yeah, the gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson. Hiya, Seth.
2: Hey, Mark. Hello, everyone. And welcome to our special dated episode. Uh, sorry. sorry, I lost my chain of thought. <laughs> but yes. Our it's, pre-big game.
0: It's almost like we've done this before. Uh, we're do-
2: yeah, well, you know, we're trying to keep it fresh and real.
0: We're doing this on uh, Saturday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. In fact, as yeah, soon as again. as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go watch that movie because it's what I do every year on Groundhog Day. It's one of my favorite movies um,
2: really? I love that movie. I love Groundhog yeah. Day. It's awesome. It's not quite I, in the Princess Bride category, no. but it's like right up there underneath. Way
0: the heck better than what about Bob though
2: you you uh, yeah. yeah there's a lot of things that are better than that so yeah I, w- I I could throw up on film and that would be better than what about Bob. <laughs>
0: I remember a line from one of the old uh, uh, Muppet movies. Statler or Waldorf, one of the old guys, said, I've seen soaps that left a better film than this. And I, <laughs> I feel like that about that movie someday. My wife has never made it through. I've tried to make her watch it like three times, um, and she's never made it through. She's either fallen asleep or, or just got up and walked away. I like What About Bob, but not because it's a good movie. You know what I mean? There's There's it, some of those movies that you enjoy because, because they're so bad.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, it's one of those that if you got a group of people around to all make fun of it together, then it can be an awesome movie. You know, like, uh, so yeah, you know, you can make fun of it and trounce it, and then you can have an awesome experience watching a crappy movie.
0: Like the original 1950s Night of the Living Dead is so bad, it's become a classic. Yeah. Or Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's awesome. Uh, so, anyway, the reason we're recording on Groundhog Day on Saturday is because tomorrow is the sup- the big game. Yeah. We can't say that Good name. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> that name is trademarked by the NFL Players Association. So, anyway,
2: it's the big game. So, uh, we didn't... So, super hollowed out <laughs> enclosure. How about that? Yes. <laughs> it's not just
0: like a regular chip bowl. It's a super chip bowl. Um,
2: there you go. And talk
0: while I drink water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys have any man, big plans for killing.
2: it? <laughs> uh,
0: yes, I actually am having the first of the parties that I've hosted here in Georgia. So it's a good time for me to be sick. Um, <clears throat> right now, at oh, this yeah. very moment, I have some 40 pounds of meat on the smoker. and because oh, That's man. what I like to do. And it will slow smoke for about 20 hours. And I'll pull it off tomorrow afternoon and we will have it... Um, while watching this the big game. Uh so I'm Yeah. I've got some work friends coming over come and some neighbors coming house. over. And it's going to be cool. <laughs> and uh but it's I'm awesome. paying the price for it cuz as I discovered it, it's uh, it's finally got a little chilly here in Georgia. It was about 20 degrees this morning when I woke up. Wow. I know that's nothing for you Chris, but uh, no. for us southerners that's fairly chilly. And uh <laughs> I've got the smoker out there. It's an electric smoker. And it's going, and, and I discovered I can't have my little electric heater in, in the pod pod running and the smoker at the same time, because when I turned it on, things got dark. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. so I'm suffering for the cause right now. I'm cold sitting down here doing this show. So that's another reason. Well, we sure appreciate it, it. That's right. I am powering through it all.
1: That's because you're the man.
2: You can just bask in the glow of our awesomeness, Mark. We'll warm you up in no time. For Honestly, that. I was just going to oh, wow. skip this
0: one. I had totally forgotten that it was the, the the big event weekend. And Seth sent an email and said, hey, are we going to record at a different time? And I said, I totally forgot about that. I was just going to skip it. I don't care. We'll just do it next week. Because that's how much I love you people. Uh, but uh, Seth and Chris were adamant. No, we're going to do a show. Dang it. And so yes. here I am.
2: <laughs> we gotta yeah, do a show yeah well you know i mean if we hadn't missed like a month just a couple of weeks ago might would have uh been okay to skip this one but man you know we gotta give them what they want and they want more edl uh, they <laughs> want That's to right. hear
0: me suffering on the mic shouting freud in full, <laughs> full effect actually after the last couple of episodes there are people who would like to see, hear me suffer so <laughs> um,
1: yeah there is was- there are a few pointed emails we got. That was that was fun though. It it's always nice to hear people's opinions.
0: And uh sometimes. there will be more after this show, I promise. Uh the the nine things that the topic refers to is an article that Seth pulled up uh from uh is it uh, datamation.com nine things that are never admitted about open source. And so we're going to be reading an article and discussing it. So these those of you people who like to accuse me of being a hater, I'm just reading an article. Now, if there are things that are wrong in the article, and you were so happy to point that out, let me say again, we're just reading the article. We thought it would be an interesting discussion. Because every time yes, we yeah. read something that's not entirely accurate, the literal net comes out and lets me know that we were wrong. Yes, and Yeah, you know, it's
2: like, don't you about verify anything? This. So, uh, yeah, and so yeah, and we do it a lot on the show. We come across articles that I think make a good basis for a discussion, and so we we base our discussion on them and
0: uh And the answer is no. We don't verify anything. We just read crap.
2: That's right. Yeah, because they can't put it on the internet if it's not true. That's right. And I'm a French model. So Chris, what's <laughs> we, going on in your life this week?
0: Anything interesting <laughs> or of note to our audience?
1: Uh not a whole lot. Um You know, we have a big, we have our our ritual suit, wait, big game party going on tomorrow. Um, Yeah, right now we have a a house full of people, little people, as in 13 and under people, uh, that I don't know how we got railroaded or suckered into it, but we got suckered into it. Um, Other than that, no, not too much this week. Um, My life's been pretty boring. Uh I will say this though, my test laptop that I was talking about last week either completely hates Linux or has hardware errors because this thing crashes more often than a I don't know, Windows box.
2: Do you have spin right, Chris?
1: Yeah, I thought about that. Um that's gonna be the next thing if I if, if the la- if what I just I just went in and turned off some of the uh kernel switches for like A C P I to see if that helps. Uh huh. And then if that doesn't, I'm gonna check the drive and see if the drive's
2: any good. Well, I would run it on just the uh, the drive maintenance, you know, like overnight or at least a couple of hours. Let it go through, and because I was, I do that periodically, and I usually notice a little bump in performance after I do it, even if it's only in my mind.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's placebo.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: the what it's doing is, and I I posted this up in my over on Google on my Google Plus page. Um. It's just randomly locking itself solid. Like no keyboard input, no mouse input, just a solid. You get whatever was currently in the buffers, and that's it. So I'm not 100% sure what it is off the top of my head. Um, and because of the way it locks up, there's no log files to go and find out what broke. Right. So it makes it tricky. But I will persevere, and I will continue to test... And live with LX on that particular laptop and report in a month what it's like, or three weeks, two weeks. Cool.
0: I got an email today from one of the founders of the Southern California Linux Expo, the scale um, event, asking that we mention it on the show. It is this uh, February 22nd through the 24th. So you got a couple of weeks. It's at the LAX Hilton. And so if you're in the Southern California area and you're interested in hearing some uh, keynote speakers such as uh, Matthew Garnett and Kyle Rankin, um, check it out. The Southern California Linux Expo Scale 11x.
2: Cool. Element OP domination. <laughs> so that they uh, they ask us to give them a shout out. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a form letter, but that's all right. Uh, I've,
2: hey, yeah, but you
1: know, I mean.
0: It's
2: kind of we cool re-
0: though
1: that we're going. We rate high enough to get a form letter. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, not high enough now to get an invitation, get though.
1: Yep. All right. I was just to say the next thing we'll need to get is an invitation, but uh, baby steps. Baby but actually, steps. they they
2: probably were going to give us one before uh, we did the uh, last episode, <laughs> <laughs> to see you know, discredit the installment. So uh, they're like, uh, we're not gonna, we don't want you to come, but if you could mention it, we'd really appreciate that.
0: I have actually been invited uh, a number of times to different expos like that, and uh, while it is a pleasure, you know, it's an honor just being nominated. They say uh, it's nice to be invited. It's almost always uh, you can come, but you got to pay for your admission and your hotel and your travel. But we'd sure like it if you came.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard of those those nice invitations too.
2: Yeah, but you know, at least we're getting them. The next step, you know, they'll give us a little discount or like an extra goodie bag or something. Uh so uh you know, you get twice the swag of everyone else. So
0: I don't know, looking at their lineup of people there, I wonder, you know, uh what we would have to offer these people. They've got uh um I've already closed the tab now, so I don't have uh it in front of me, but there were there were luminaries there of uh, you know the The technology community, and and why would we even be there? Um,
2: because we are the awesome
1: element. Because we are,
2: yeah. You know, we do a bang up job of bringing Linux and technology news to the mass. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk
0: about some technology news then. And of course, uh, one of our favorite things to do on the show is throw out numbers that don't mean anything. So, let's talk about the Linux Foundation getting 10,000 likes on Facebook.
2: No, no, 100,000.
0: 100,000. It's,
2: it, it's not quite there yet, but um, they're up to, uh, let me see, I want to see how many, because I looked before, so, uh, c- come on computer. Well, they're up to 97,109 likes. So they've got a few more uh, since I went and liked them. But, you know, I figure, hey, I do a Linux podcast. I should go like their page. And uh, I thought, wow, 100,000. That's like a lot. So then I like looked up some of the pages with the most likes and, nah, it's not even <laughs> It's not a lot. Huh? <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it's cool that we're getting up close to 100,000 and it's not the only Linux page out there. But, you know, numbers are numbers. They they aren't necessarily the end all be all, but they can be a useful metric.
0: And Google Plus has edged out what MySpace or or maybe Twitter, uh,
2: you, uh YouTube and Twitter, YouTube and Twitter. Yeah, Google Plus is the second most popular social network. Uh, trails wave It's a. Approximately half the size of Facebook in terms of uh, monthly usage, and right behind it is a uh, YouTube. So Google Plus and YouTube are seen as distinct and separate networks. But I think so it's Google interesting that they
0: consider Google Plus a, a social network, a social media right. network. I, I never thought of it like that.
2: Yeah, I never really? would have either. I mean, you know, this is not just like Gmail, but Google Plus is pretty much the same thing as facebook
0: right now i'm saying youtube though i mean i don't don't consider youtube to be a social network but just so you know there's facebook google plus youtube twitter and then one two three four five that are based only in china and then linkedin and then three more that are based only in china then myspace so it's not exactly super tight competition
1: right yeah yeah um well, you facebook. go where your friends are, so if your friends aren't on any of those other uh on any of the other markets, that's where you stay and I think that's why we're gonna be fighting the facebook monster for a while and according
0: to this nice bar graph um Facebook has approximately fifty two percent of all internet users actively use their their uh service in the last month that's that's, that's a yes, lot
2: that, a lot that that is a lot it's more than I like. But uh, it's cool that you know, and for everybody still says Google Plus is a ghost town, and you know it only has like three hundred forty-three million active users. Right. So that's uh, a busy ghost town. If just somebody would use it. (laughs) You know,
1: I like my Google Plus network. Um, but I'm over there all the time, and because I was contacted on Facebook on my personal page, anybody who's looking to follow me. Google Plus and Twitter, Facebook is for my family.
2: Yeah. Hello?
0: I've decided to uh, make my Facebook page uh, public and that you can find it, but I don't friend listeners as a rule. I mean, there's some some that I will, uh, some that I have, but for the most part, if I don't know you offline, we're not on Facebook together. But Google Plus, you know, all bets are off there. Twitter, you, you know, everybody's welcome there. But, yeah, I kind of have the same rule. Facebook is for people I actually physically know in person. Yep.
1: And I just, you know, I, I was really nice to or the person that contacted me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark. I don't think anybody needed to know that one, but okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought I would make a point out that, you know, that was, I was appreciating that, you know, he wanted to, follow, to friend me on Facebook, but that's, for me personally google plus or twitter and no problems
0: and everything i post on facebook i put a post on twitter anyway so you know you're not missing anything um so let's move on to some of our favorite things to talk about market share bogus numbers Ugh. more bogus numbers by marketers
1: um really
0: according to some people um apple still has the top market share at 51% of, of four, uh, fourth quarter 20, 2012 tablet shipments at uh uh 51 no excuse me their their QO, Q4 2011 was 51% 2012 was 43 so they've they've dropped oh my apple may be dying
2: not yeah, good. well, uh, the uh their stock price is nowhere near where it was. But yeah, they uh they are falling and Samsung is growing, Amazon is growing, Asus is growing. Uh you know, and Barnes and Noble is growing. So it, it and it, Apple's growing too. They're just growing at a smaller rate than all of the Android.
1: Well, I think they're just eating their own people there. You know, they're right. You're not getting; they're not getting as many new people as the other devices are. They're just eating their continual, you know, people upgrading.
0: I love the marketing speak. Tablet shipments soar to record levels. Yeah, it's only a market that's been around for like four years. We're gonna have a record every year as more and more people yep. adopt the form factor.
2: Yeah, and uh, PC sales will continue to decline. And uh, doggone it, it's the end of the world as we know it but I don't feel fine about it, so. (laughs) I just had that song run through my head when you said that. Almost
1: (laughs) perfectly. uh,
0: And while we're talking about bogus market share numbers, Chrome OS is gaining ground on Windows 8 that nobody actually uses anyway.
2: Yeah, um, I thought it was weird that uh, on the uh, Amazon, they have a ranking of their... uh, their top sales and the Samsung Chromebook is actually the number one selling laptop, uh, on Amazon. And of course not the Amazon is where everybody buys, or I don't even know if a majority of people buy notebooks from there, but the Chromebook is number one. And then Apple is, uh, two, four and five. There's only one windows in the top five. Um, which I thought was, you know, I mean, and again, that's only notebooks. That's not desktops and everything else. But it was—I uh, was shocked the first time I went there and looked that they were so, they were so not represented in the top category. I guess is however the easy way to say that. It says that
0: uh, the Acer's Chromebook accounts for five to ten percent. That's a wide range of Acer's U.S. Uh, sales. Um, right. And nobody wants Windows Eight. That's my paraphrase.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I will agree with that. Nobody wants Windows 8. I've had numerous people tell me that, that they want to know how to downgrade to Windows 7. Yeah, I was... Which kind of makes me laugh.
0: I was dealing with a client in my day job, and uh, he was asking, you know, about buying Windows 8 and, uh, you know, will software work on it and that sort of thing. And I said, buy Windows 8. It comes with a downgrade license. Put Windows 7 on. That way, when Windows 8 is ready... You'll have the license for it. It's not ready yet, but go ahead and buy it. Use Windows Seven until Windows Eight is ready. That's the way I did um, Windows uh, Seven. I bought it and then downgraded it to XP until Seven was ready. Mm-hmm. Actually, Seven kind of came out of the the, the uh, gate ready. It was Vista. The you know Seven is is Vista Service Pack Two.
2: Yeah, pretty right. much. Uh, well, and they did a. You know, and I didn't really. I love to bash Vista, but whenever you got it on a machine with the horsepower to actually run it, it it still runs good. So uh, you know, the problem was you get one of those machines with like a a one gig processor and almost a gig of RAM, and part of that goes Vista for ready. Video. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and it was ready for the Vista baby basic almost working edition and they would put like Vista enterprise or something on it and it would be awful. But yeah, but, um, of course, the the link that we'll throw in the show notes, it mentioned several points about the good, the, the, I guess you could say so-called strength of Chrome OS. Uh, one is that it's just a lot cheaper than windows and two, as far from a, a hardware manufacturer, there's no, uh there's no licensing fee. So, you know, you can put Chrome OS on there and sell it, and you don't have to pay any money to Google. So, uh, you know, and uh, I... Microsoft, they seem to just catch the perfect storm to just try to shoot themselves in the foot and blast off their whole ankle as well, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Though I wouldn't mind if... I would love to have a Chromebook in my hand just to see it. Right. You know, because I'm not going to spend money on a machine right now that I don't think is ready or would not even benefit me in any way. But if I had it in hand to test it and then send it back, that I would probably do. Or test it and then if I like it, keep it. If I don't, send it back. That would be nice as well. But I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and apparently they released an upgrade to it or whatever and it's much more uh, it functions a lot better offline than it used to so you can actually use it non not connected to the net so to speak
0: and speaking well, of Google like I said. if you're elite hacks or and uh, you think you've got mad skills uh, Google is inviting you to come to Vancouver Canada on March 7th and uh, put their money where your mouth is if you can hack into uh, the Chrome OS, uh, they've got uh, various prizes worth Pi million dollars. 3.14159 million dollars. Because Google is obsessed with
2: Pi. Right. And so if you can do like a browser hack, you can get over 100000 And if you can compromise with device persistence, and of course all you hackers know what that means, you can get $150,000. So... You know, you you do one day of work a year, and you get a hundred thousand. So uh, it's like a, that's that's pretty darn good, almost living wages.
0: Yeah, and what happens is these guys, you know, you hear about them cracking chrome in three point one eight seconds. They actually spent eight months working on it, so that when the right. time came, they could crack it in three point one eight seconds.
1: Yeah, right. And no, but and you know, those are always a fun competition to list or to either um, to read the re- what happened or. Um I, I th- thought I remember seeing either an audio or a video recording of one of them too. Um and I, I it's just they're fun to always go and see.
2: Yeah, that would make a good like a it's the Monday night football, you can have the Monday night hacking competition. Hey everyone, hey, Al well. Michael's here. <laughs> uh, and Butter Jelly Bean just bro- just broke the Chrome OS kernel in record time. You know? Yeah. I don't know. At they least they have those penetration things.
0: I think that would be slightly more boring than watching golf. <laughs> um, and our old friend UEFI is making noise again. Um, <sighs> the 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 people who said it's the devil, turns out they're kind of right if it's not implemented properly. Uh, Samsung laptops uh, did a bad job of implementing UEFI and simply trying to boot Linux. That's all, just booting Linux, bricks them.
1: Yep. I thought that was entertaining to read. I'm like, well, I'm glad I don't ever buy Samsung <laughs> for when it comes to the laptops. But uh, I guess Linus evidently fixed part of it too. So that's yeah, and there's an, that's good to hear.
0: The article quotes uh, that uh, Toshiba is also having some troubles. Uh, and quote, this turns out to be some staggering incompetence on the part of Toshiba or more likely their third-party vendor. They've managed to leave out the signing key from the database that's used to validate the binaries and managed to leave out the signature databases signing key out of the database. So in other words, we have a secure boot, but we don't have any way to verify that it's secure. Oops. Wow.
1: Now that's, that, that's, a, just that's just extremes. somebody who does
0: not understand even the most rudimentary concepts of, of encryption. Building hardware encryption that's bad
1: yeah that's that's so many that's so many layers of bad that it makes my head hurt,
2: <laughs> but you know the good news about that one is it is so bad there's a lot of pressure coming to uh there's there's pressure being brought by Microsoft and Windows eight, and of course you know how well that's selling to actually fix it, so uh they could actually be a fix on that, you know this while Windows 8 is still a viable OS.
0: And not to be outdone, Lenovo decided they would just go the easy-right way. Instead of bothering with all the encryption thing, they would just ask the OS, hey, are you Windows? And if the OS says yes, it boots. Otherwise, no. (laughs)
2: And I love the uh, the quote on the article. The sole recommendation for fixing it is drinking, because as far as <laughs> because as far as I know, they haven't actually got around to doing anything useful about this yet. <laughs> I just, there, that's the main. I'll, I'll I put it in the story. There,
1: there. The, the, it's it's now. This is the command line Godfather talking. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I, That's horrible. I glossed over that. Let me read the exact quote because it's just as bad, but but describes it better. Finally, finally, and more troubling, some Lenovo PCs with UAFI secure boot aren't simply checking the proper keys to see if an operating should be allowed to boot, but they're checking to see if an operating system is saying it's Windows in the descriptive text. If the text doesn't say Windows, even if it's Windows 8, it won't boot. This is obviously bizarre. And the problem is known since been known since November, and, and as Seth quoted, the sole recommendation is drinking. Because as far as I know, <laughs> they haven't actually got around to doing anything useful about it yet.
2: Wow, I, I just thought that was funny.
0: <laughs> so all you people who are worried about UEFI, you know, it's not UEFI UF, that's problem; it's incompetence that's a problem. Yeah.
1: Well, the weakest link is always the person sitting in the chair. <laughs>
0: The wetware interface is always the problem. Yep. Um, Wow. Wow. (laughs) And uh, Australia, Uh, their Department of Defense is betting big on Linux.
2: Yeah, they are apparently making a big move to shift more and more of their IT systems to Linux-based servers. Um, And... A a lot of their radar surveillance systems, they're using uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux. They've already moved over like over 600 and are looking to move over about 400 more. So there you go. Linux down under is, I guess in that case, they would be going down, down under since (laughs) going up would be the opposite direction, right? Uh,
0: There's so much innuendo there, I can't even function. So I'm going to move on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, and we
0: say goodbye yep. to an old friend, Symbian is no Aww. more. What used to be the big, biggest, baddest smartphone OS on the block is now saying goodbye.
2: Yeah, That's the uh, bad. Nokia 808, which came to market about the middle of last year, was the last Symbian device from Nokia, the last Symbian manufacturer. So then there was one, and
1: then there was none. That is is too bad. Symbian was one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, And it's too bad to see them go, but I suppose they have to make room for all the great Apple. Wait, no. Uh, Android? No, they're not quite all that great either compared, (laughs) in my opinion. But, hey, they'll get there.
0: Just about five years ago, uh, Symbian had 60% of the smartphone market worldwide and today it's a ghost
2: I mean there's, they probably still have a percent or two of people who are still using them but it, it, I'm sure it's dying every day as people upgrade to smarter newer phones and what did
0: it, what sound the death knell for Symbian is BlackBerry 10 <clears throat> yep <clears throat> Uh, No longer known as Research in Motion, BlackBerry is the new company name, has announced their new BlackBerry 10 device. The thing that they've said for years was going to be amazing, but it was supposed to be amazing in, like,
2: 2009. (laughs) And all of the marketing people who had RIM releases BlackBerry 10 on, you know, all their millions they spent on marketing – all of a sudden they had to scratch all that because you can't even put BlackBerry in the same space as RIM. So I wonder how much that cost them.
0: I think they didn't bother. A lot of the articles I've seen still say RIM announced. It wasn't right. RIM. They're not RIM anymore, uh, which is not, kind of nice, actually, because they, they yeah. were research in Motion, but the only product they ever made that anybody cared about was, was BlackBerry. So let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and name the company. Uh, I've seen a couple of reviews, just a couple, and they're glowing. Um it's a good system. Uh they 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 rolled out an entire ecosystem, a good uh, uh, an app store with lots of stuff in it and a media store with lots of stuff in it and they're really making a good play. Um you know, you have all the maturity of the the BlackBerry platform behind you. Um they have a model, they don't have a the first model didn't have a physical keyboard, which is interesting because that's what BlackBerry was known for. Yeah. It was the um the defining feature and and really they were head and shoulders above anybody else if you had a physical keyboard on a blackberry if you if you were never a blackberry user you just don't know um right and you wonder why people are so loyal to their blackberries it's because the keyboard was out freaking standing i've been on android and and you know all glass devices now for about five years and i still pine for that physical keyboard it was that good yeah
1: well and that's And if they're but the enterprise market didn't grow fast enough to keep them going so
2: well and it wasn't that they suffered from uh market leader disease right you know we're the best and so come use us and pff, java or android pff, ios it, what you know we're blackberry and then all of a sudden it's like oh crap maybe we should have invested some money in research and development <laughs> Um. (laughs) for research in motion
0: (laughs) well and then they tried their i remember it was os5 maybe somewhere around there their big thing was they turned their theme black and made rounded corner icons well now there's no reason to buy an iphone clearly because they made a black theme with rounded corner icons
2: definitely yes
0: so i'm hopeful that rim uh because they've got some really cool ideas one of their uh, I forget their their name for it, but it's a it's a split personality where uh you can have two entirely different interfaces, two different sets of apps, two different sets of data, your personal and your work and uh without your work password, all you see is the personal stuff so you can have the security that everybody loved blackberry for the enterprise security wow. and not have to carry two phones uh almost everybody, all the managers at uh, where I work now carry two phones their their enterprise issued blackberry and their personal android or iphone Uh, but with this new system um, enterprise can totally wipe out one side of it they can install apps they can remove apps they can completely erase it without touching the other side Um, and the end user can't mess with the enterprise side so if you are trying to do something and you bork your own setting it doesn't affect the enterprise side it's basically a virtual machine uh, so I think hmm. it's clever, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's totally the right call because um, people want uh, the security of the BlackBerry, but they want to carry their own phone. Right.
1: So, um, I didn't see that, but is that one that you could do with two, could you have two numbers then tied to that one phone?
0: I don't know that. Uh, it sounds reasonable, but I haven't had anybody say that.
1: Because that would be the perfect, you know, you don't have to worry about running an app, you know, Google Voice number or Skype number or whatever other voice over IP protocol that you can stick on your an- your Android or iPhone. But if your phone could actually be two separate numbers to cover the, you know, your personal and your work, that would be right. the best of both yeah. worlds.
0: Of course, I think all of us good geeks use Google Voice for that, <laughs> uh, and and you know they could they could do something like that. Yeah. But I don't know if
1: So my point in. is though is if it was built into the phone, you wouldn't have to rely on Google Voice.
0: So it'll be interesting to see is it enough to save the company? Uh that remains to be seen. But the reviews are positive. Uh and and it's about time BlackBerry had a win.
2: Yeah, they couldn't afford another loss. Of course, I mean, it, it could be so late in the game they might not even be able to afford another win. So I guess the jury's out if it will be enough.
0: Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. And now on to we'll our featured article of the week. Nine things that are never admitted about open source. So, uh, guys, I'm just going to let you pick out, we're, we may may or may not hit all nine, I don't know. Uh, we'll let you guys pick up um, the things that you think are interesting. Uh, we We don't have to go in any order, Seth. What's the one that you most wanted to talk about?
2: Well, I wanted to talk about number three yeah, on I the list. You would. Uh, well, and the the main reason I even brought this article up is because it tied in with so much with episode eighty, the episode before last, um, uh, where <laughs> you uh, basically turned a flamethrower on the show about and the article or point number three is Richard Stallman has become a mixed asset. So. Of course, you know, in open source, Richard Stallman is the, he's the Messiah, the great white hope, I guess, of everything open in, um, but you know, I, I don't know the easy way to say, and you know, and and he does a lot still for the thing, but sometimes it like he tries to push too far and. He does a lot of good for open source in general, but sometimes what he says also kind of comes off wrong. So, uh, and uh, I don't really know what to say because other than just reading it. But
0: actually, I think I, I do want to go ahead and read that. Okay, uh, because it, it uh, it's a good it, it sums up the argument I think fairly well. Uh, yeah, well, here I'll I'll read it for right. you
2: since uh you're uh, we'll let you save your voice. Thanks. Okay, Richard Stallman has become a mixed asset. The founder of the Free Software Foundation and the driving force behind behind the GNU, General Public Licenses, Richard M. Stallman, is one of the legendary figures in free and open source software. For years, he has been the most vocal defender of software freedom, and the community probably wouldn't exist without him. What his supporters are reluctant to admit is that Stallman's tactics are limited. Many say he is not comfortable with people, and his arguments center on semantics on the words chosen and how they bias an argument. This approach can be insightful. For example, when Stallman asks why file sharing is equated with pirates, pillaging, and looting, he reveals the basis that the music and movie industry tries to impose on the issue. The bias they try to impose. Oh, sorry, yes, the bias. Uh, but unfortunately, this is almost Stallman's sole tactic. He rarely moves beyond using it to castigate people, and he repeats himself even more than most people who spend their time making speeches. Increasingly, he is seen in many parts of the community as both irrelevant and embarrassing, as someone who has outlived his effectiveness. Where have we heard that Be- before? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to go back and search the interwebs for that. Um, <laughs> People seem to find it hard to live with the idea that Stallman could both have a history of accomplishment and be less effective than he once was. Either they defend him fiercely because of his history, or they attack him as a wannabe who never was. I believe both his accomplishments and his current lack of effectiveness are true at the same time.
0: That last sentence sums up my arguments completely. Um, He was valuable. He is no longer. And not him personally, uh, not solely him personally, but those who, who follow in his footsteps. That semantic argument um, has been thing, something that's driven me nuts forever. He defines yeah. words, right? So he talks about the Amazon Swindle instead of the Amazon Kindle. And he won't talk. He won't call the device by its real name uh, or digital restrictions management. He, he renames things and then frames the entire debate around the, the way he's renamed them.
2: Yeah, And all you have to do is just say Linux without GNU in front of it and watch him go off. So, you know, uh, so he does. And that's that's what I personally hate is you're free to use whatever tactic you want to. But if you're going to use that tactic, you have no right to be mad when someone uses it on you. And. Uh,
0: and uh, <clears throat> I want to look at point two there. Cloud computing undermines free licenses. Uh, Tim O'Reilly once said that open source licenses are obsolete. Um, And it was his dramatic way of of warning that online services undermine the intent of free open source software. And it's kind of the argument I've made before. People don't care if it's open as long as it doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm, And and Google Docs and uh, WordPress and all these other free services out there, people don't care if it's open as long as it doesn't cost anything. Um, and as long as people, that's kind of why you need people like Stallman beating the drum of freedom, but it's also why people won't care. Because as long as it doesn't cost me anything, I don't care if it's open or not. And that's the yeah. general consensus of America.
1: And uh, yeah. But on the same note though, it's uh, I'm trying to think, I'm my um, words are failing me, um, but yeah, that's that seems to be the large majority of things right now, and it's sad too because there was a time when Foss was the the big thing, and you needed to be that way. Um, but it, it's the times have shifted and have changed, and now nobody cares. Um, or at least let's rephrase that: not nobody cares. The gross majority don't care if it's free open-source software. They they just care about if it's free as in free beer. Definitely.
0: And, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, but whether it's good or bad, we're not going to grow anywhere by ignoring it. And the open-source right. people ignore that fact.
2: Yeah, and, well, and one thing, open-source gives you control, whereas, like, the cloud you pretty much you don't really have any control because you can do everything right and something could happen somewhere else and totally wipe out everything you have
0: right so, or google just decide they don't want to do it anymore and there right, it goes yep. and,
2: so, and then you don't have access to your life's work of whether it be pictures or you know your journal or the great American novel you were two sentences away from writing when they canceled their service and you don't have any way to access it anymore,
0: and it is it is absolutely worth talking about. For example, you know I've I've been trying to write a book. Um, it's been a while since I did it, but what, what you just said I've I've done it entirely in Google Docs. If tomorrow Google loses it, I got nothing. You know and so that's why it's important to own your own stuff, right and that's what the open source yeah. people say is if you can own it, you can do what you want but that's that's not dealing with reality and I think that that the Linux community uh, maybe as much as the Apple uh, community, right they're on different ends of the same spectrum, they yeah. ignore reality and and or they have a di-
1: distortion field right. around them about it.
0: So, you know, they, they all, the, the Linux community in general, the open source community, let's, let's not just say Linux, but the open source community uh, wants things to be a certain way, and there's good reasons for it, but they, they refuse to admit that things aren't that way, and they keep acting as if they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an interesting uh, point, I thought, uh, point five in the article, open source is infected with systemic
2: sexism.
1: Oh yeah, that's a big one too.
2: Yeah, and of course, or women in IT in general are underrepresented in terms of the overall population mix. But women in open source IT are underrepresented in terms of women in IT. So,
0: and there's the if depending on how deeply embedded you are in the open source community uh you will know that uh it is it has been commonplace in past for for not only there to be um a non pro female standing but an actively anti female mentality like like women who would go to to big geek fests would be um attacked isn't the right word but would be definitely accosted. made fun of yeah they they would they would be uh, let know that they weren't welcome there and you know, and and let's let's be honest. There's reasons for it, right? Who were the the people who are den- generally ha- big time geeks, guys who can't make time with women, right? Uh, yeah. Let's just be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. So when they're together with all the other guys, and there are chicks there, they don't know how to handle it. Um, yeah,
2: what was it from the Little Rascals? Was it the the, the He-Man, He-Man Woman Man Haters One Club? Haters Club, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and so it's it's you know it it's not systemic it's not there from from the top being pushed down it's not anything written in stone it's just the nature of the type of people who are in it's the neckbeards right they they don't know how to handle women and maybe if they did they wouldn't be such good code writers so you know we're we're happy about that (laughs) but it's a difficult place for a woman to be from you know i can't speak from personal experience but i've I've certainly heard that said more than once
2: right it's like and you know, I think it's probably changing some, but in the past if a woman would sh- were to be in an open source thing, it's more of a novelty and they're kind of there because they're a woman rather than they're there because of their skills. And I I would like to say it's changing and I hope it is changing, but I really I don't know. So
1: I hope it will change cuz you know uh, I it's just one of those things that I've seen good programmers, you know, being in this, in the high school. We have a couple of of um, online classes that are taken by, you know, the, our student populace, and I was surprised to see um, the online class is half female, and of that half, there were probably half of them taking programming language. And it was a shocking thing to see. I, I just wasn't prepared for that. And I'm looking forward to see, because most of the time, because my, my office is right next door to the, the online classroom room, they'll call me over to show me something that they have wrote. And some of them are elegant with their writing um, and highly documented. Um, the one, the, this one program, or it was just a simple check the time and tell you the time in, the, in, in, a, in a window had almost two paragraphs of documentation. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, but if, if that's what we can expect from a female programmer is super highly documented work, why not? I mean, that would take so much load off of us, you know, anti women geeks that don't know how to talk to women. (laughs) If they could do some of that work for us, then we could do other work that, you know, we can't ha- that that we can't get to because we're trying to do something else
0: all right, and I want to move on to the next point that I think is interesting. Microsoft is no longer unrelentingly hostile to open source. We talked about that uh you know and and we we kind of got some flack for that. We gave Microsoft some credit, and a and a, a portion of our audience didn't like that because they're still at sea as an us versus them the, it's not there anymore, yes, Microsoft definitely um does not want linux to pr- proliferate but yeah they
2: they don't want every server in your enterprise to be linux and every server because then they would they wouldn't have a business right. but at the same token they have to work well with it because it is so entrenched just like linux needs to work well with microsoft because it is so entrenched and uh, yeah and saying that they're wrong and the only reason they're doing it is because they want to make money well there's nothing wrong with that i mean there's nothing wrong with making money uh i know that a lot of people equate making money with satanism these days but i don't think there's anything wrong you know hey i want to be able to work with this product so let me help make that product better and hey you know that might even help make my product better and then everybody wins so, yeah, and we talked about in the past, I think they're the they're in the top 10 in terms of, like, percent, contrib, contribution to the Linux kernel. I, I don't remember what number they are, uh, but, yeah, we covered that story probably several months ago now. But, you know, they are an active contributor to the Linux kernel and not just in a token way. So.
0: And Microsoft is not the devil anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. They're now they're now neighbors. (laughs) It's like it's like
0: when the Soviet Union fell. America didn't know who to hate anymore. Right. And that's kind of where that's kind of where the open source community is. The big bad demon of Microsoft is now playing nice. So who do we hate?
2: Apple. Well yeah. We can all agree and we can still hate Apple. I'm (laughs) all for that. (laughs) Apple's the new devil. I like it. Print it.
0: Uh, and then the next point uh, is that desktop innovation is stagnating. That's not just true in Linux; it's true across the board. Uh, the yeah. The desktop paradigm we have is is mature, and that's why Windows 8 is so drastically trying to get away from it. Um, but the fact is, there's a reason that, that it's mature is we all like it and we know how to use it. Right. And so there's not there's not any innovation going on. And
1: well, th- is there really any better way to do a keyboard mouse interface um, I don't think there is one you know because right now everyone's moving to the a keyboard and finger poking interface and that's not any better because we're going to go from Chris,
0: finger poking huh? is that a technical term finger poking
1: Finger poking. yes that, that's how one of my teachers described it so I like that one um, but there's you got me off track you kicked me off the soapbox darn it that's not fair um the other i guess the other options for the interface though would be besides keyboard and mouse is the keyboard and finger poking which we all know i don't want to do personally i you know i'm going to exchange carpal tunnel for tennis elbow um (laughs) Uh, and the other idea would be a voice recognition system, but think of that in a school setting where you have 30-plus kids in a school, in a classroom, or in a typing room, all yelling at the computer because they, it, the computer heard their neighbor doing something, and that's what the computer did.
0: Or where I work in a cube farm where there's 400 people yep. in, a, in a, a room that's about 9,000 square feet. And we're all—I mean, you can hear the clickety 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 now. Imagine that if we're all talking to our computers, it would be a cacophony yeah. that that no human would want to to be, and and you'd never you'd never get anything done. So I, I think exactly. voice is going to be an additive, but there's got to be some silent interface that is the primary interface.
2: Well, and yeah. also the other side of desktop innovation is having a program on your computer that does something and not just open a gateway to the cloud so you know it's like why would i want to develop on something that only works on this one computer whereas i could do something on the cloud and any browser that can hit it and do and handle that interface works so that's the other side of it that i don't like is that there's less and less things for my machine to do unless i'm you know connected to every other machine in the world
0: all right and so the last one that i wanted to hit was uh point nine in the article open source is stuck short of its goals um by 2004 open source had reached the point where people could do all of their consumer tasks such as email web browsing and most of their pro- productivity using free and open software um the if you ignore the hopes for a free BIOS. Only wireless and 3D drivers uh, were needed. And now wireless and 3D are still the, the holdups.
2: And the free BIOS.
0: Right. So we're, we're stuck. Yeah. In, in nine years, we haven't moved forward. Yes, there are open uh, drivers, but they're not as good as proprietary drivers. We're still stuck yep. having to use proprietary drivers, and we're not moving forward. There, there isn't a free system still all these years later. It's a good system. And it works, and and you know millions of people use it worldwide. But it's still not completely free, and we're just we we've never reached that point. We're we're stuck there for nine for a decade. We've been stuck, yeah,
1: there. or more. Um, even before that, we've been stuck there. Because um, I mean, ten years ago, we could still be using Thunderbird and Firefox. Of course, they were called other things then. Um, so, yeah, where I what's going to happen? What's going to push? That envelope to go to the next level. Um, personally, I don't know. I'm not. The, I'm not an idea guy. I'm a fix it guy.
2: Um, well, yeah, and you know the old saying, "Necessity is the mother of invention." And the problem is, we have stuff that works. So, it, <laughs> does it work perfectly? No. But what's the enemy of greatness? Good enough. Right. Yeah. And
1: I want to backpedal a second and look at point eight in that article. Right. Um, open source is becoming monocultured. Um, and that's, I think, uh, a big one because, you know, me being a Fedora guy, um, that's my first go-to, and I don't have a problem going with to, to other places. But um, that part of the world doesn't matter as much anymore. And now it's become a fight between what's the best – desktop environment you know is it ubuntu's unity or is it gnome 3 or is it kde uh being the big three why are we still fighting these little battles instead of trying to get them all to work cooperative together i don't know how many times i've sat down on my fedora box and go to get a program and find out that it's only in deb or it's only in source there is no rpm for it for me that's a that that irritates me to no end because We're supposed to be open sourced. We're supposed to be, you know, freely able to get these pieces of software. But yet there's not enough developers to get it in all these formats. So why don't we come with a a format that everyone can use without having to know how to do a a source package? Um, And yes, I I know how to do a source package, but that's not the
2: point. I read an article when I was researching news, and and I can't remember the article, but the quote was, if 95% of the Linux developers would develop applications, then Linux would have a robust ecosystem. But instead, you know, and it was talking about how if you were going to try every Linux desktop that was out there in every distro, it would take you years to do it. And, you know, so you've got to write this application that works good on this one, but it only works in this distribution and only on this desktop in this distribution versus if we would quit fracturing the community and pick a couple of standards and write for them, then, you know, Linux could have the strength of open source that you can do it your way is the weakness of open source. Everybody does it their way, and we're too busy fighting each other and griping about each other to go out and fighting over masses. words yeah.
0: yeah Brian Lunduk another guy the internet loves to hate uh, said once in an article um, stop creating new projects you've got ULSA and you've got pulse audio pick one call it good move on fix the one right stop yeah. forking things but the community can't get together you finally get something good like open office but then you got to fork that and make it LibreOffice because you can't agree so now you got two right. things you got developers working on both of them. They could be working together. They're they're growing apart, and and there's no reason for that. If we could yeah. find some unity, we need somebody. You know, Linus is the kernel dictator. We need somebody with that kind of power uh, at the application level as well that drives right. things through. And Shuttleworth and the Ubuntu Foundation. You know, he he's the guy who does that. He says, "This is what we're going to do. Make it happen." But he still has to depend a lot on the open source people to decide to do it or not
1: right yeah and that's the and that's like i was saying um we need a, I think there the standards need to be laid down we need somebody that can do that and until somebody steps up to that plate and has the ch- charisma to you know control to, not to control but to guide people it's never going to be a monster in the marketplace it's it's going to be people like us running it.
0: And don't get it wrong, we like people like us.
1: Right. Oh, wow, we love people like us. We you, you listeners, you need to send more people like us to listen to us.
0: <laughs> and where would they go to do that, Chris?
1: Well, that would be over at elementop.com where you can get all your elementop needs taken care of.
0: And what sort of stuff might you find there? What are different ways that they could contact us?
1: Well, there's the website. And then there's the Twitter, which would be at ElementOP. Um, or over on Facebook. We're, we're sitting over there, too. Um, I don't know how active our Facebook page is anymore, but uh, we just started at Google. Yeah, it's there. Um, we still have a Google Plus. We've got a Google Plus community, too. So come over and play with the, in the Google Pluses. Um, and then, you know, there's also the phone. If you guys want to call and leave us a, a message or a hate mail or whatever... You know, you can call 559 am
0: op Excellent. Thank you for saving me the trouble of doing that. Seth, what is our link of the week?
2: Ah, let me get back to there. I wanted to, if you know, speaking of calling people, I often think that you could get rid of uh, waterboarding if you made, <laughs> you know, insurgents like call, um, call AT&T or Dell and try to get someone to talk to. <laughs> uh, you know... I've said I would confess to being the second gunman on the Grassy Knoll if it meant I didn't have to deal with Dish Network's IVR. Stop! But, I will uh, tell you anything! I will tell you all my secrets! Stop! Don't make me do that! I did it! I I killed Lincoln in the theater! It was me! Um, but yeah, so I, there's a website, GetHuman.com. You can go there and it tells you the best way to reach people. Um, like, I didn't know it, but Facebook apparently has a phone number you can call and reach people. Uh Bank of America A T and T. You know, A T and T Uverse. It tells you the popular searches and recently viewed ones. There's a um you know, shortcuts that like sometimes you know, uh click to or whatever to talk to someone. Um it just depends on which one you went. But it is gethuman.com. G E T H U M A N dot com. And, and uh, bookmark. it can save your sanity uh just to that uh
0: <clears throat> to throw one in there uh similar to that a, a free tip of the week uh if you've got an android phone i don't know if it's on i iphone or not but if you get an android phone chris uh sorry you're out of luck because you don't have a cell phone but there's an app <laughs> called yet. talk to t-a-l-k-t-o um and you can send a text message to anyone and the way it works is uh the the company like my local walmart down the street would have somebody who's like on call so to speak who answers the text messages and they can dictate who it is and for how long um and it's amazing i've i've been able to to get like the the local walgreens uh pharmacy i had a question i, I needed some distilled water i sent a text do you have distilled water like 6 minutes later yes we have some in stock it's on aisle 3 uh, and it's it's an amazing wow. it's amazing app because it actually puts you in contact with the people nearby, and uh, there huh. was I think the longest response I ever had was ten minutes, but usually it's like two minutes or less. Um,
1: and bookmark,
0: yeah, great app.
1: I bet you it doesn't work too good in Montana though. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm don't know. Just, we you know I'm I can only s- on that one. I can
0: only speak for the Atlanta metro area, but it's freaking amazing here
2: that's an awesome thing if i ever get a a a real smartphone i might have to look that up
1: i will have to ask my little brothers who live in boat in billings and bozeman in the bigger cities to see if it works because uh i just did a couple of searches on my in my home area and no, it says nope no results
2: tough luck (laughs) you may have to have a population
0: of more than seven for it to work
2: yeah, otherwise you'll be the one that has to be on duty. So you would be texting yourself. Right.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, but where funny. am I going today? It's a pretty cool service. Um, I think the vendors pay, um, but it, I don't. I, I can't remember. I looked it up, but it's kind of a, a good deal. You get an interface, and so the the employee can use his regular cell phone, but you never see his number, and he never sees your number. So he inter- interacts through the through the app or through a, a, an inter- intermediary number, one of those two, uh, and so you just pick somebody and say, you know, Tuesday it's you between eight and and, and seven, and and it's you between whatever, and um, it's it's just it's it's a cool app. Thought I'd throw it out there while we were in the no, process. I'll,
1: I'll put it in my bookmarks for when I do get my cell phone, for when we make our trips to say California and whatnot to visit family, because I'm sure that would be. A great tool to have on it.
0: All right, and guys. I think that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, Chris has already done the contact information. We appreciate the feedback. Keep it coming. And uh, the more, the merrier. We don't know what our topic's going to be next week, but we'll try not to insult open source three weeks in a row. Maybe. Right. We'll try. So uh, everybody, um, of course, by the time this comes out, we will already know. That the Ravens won the Super Bowl, but um, uh, I hope. You hey,
2: know. wait! You can't say those words. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Blackbirds won the big game.
0: Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we may get sued for that. Um,
2: I uh, hope not. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll give them a percentage of our revenue. From <laughs> <this> <laughs> That's <show>. right.
0: Say <laughs> what? I'll give them a hundred percent. I will. <laughs> oh, by the way, a word of thanks. I got my biggest check ever from Amazon. Uh, you guys went out and went nuts Christmas shopping on Amazon, and you used our uh, elementop.com dot com slash Amazon link. And thanks for that. Um, I got uh, a check that was about three times what I got all of last year for the month of November. So, yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Awesome. It's still not much, but it was three times not much. Uh, so that well,
1: three times more money to go into the, right. into more network stuff. Um, us. So
0: anyway, thanks for doing that, and please continue to do so. Um, I had a guy who I didn't, who I know, but I didn't know the other end. It was you know a friend of a friend thing, uh, who's an IT guy at a at a, I don't know even the business, but he he said he's just making started making all of his purchases through elementalopi dot com slash amazon for the business. So awesome! Thanks for that. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it's a simple thing. And you guys don't right. see doesn't nothing, It doesn't cost you
0: anything. Do. It, it doesn't change your experience in any way. But we make uh, between 1% and 5% uh, referral fee, depending on what you buy. So, thanks. All right. That's it. I'm going to call it. Uh, hopefully, I'll be in full voice when we meet again. So, for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Croaking and...